welcome listeners to the Thundercast. I'm your host, Connor Sanders. Along with the guest this week, our very own president, I am not really president, but advisor for the University Journal. I don't know what your official title is, but Hayden Coombs joins me on the pod today. How you feeling, Hayden? I'm feeling good. And I like the title advisor. It makes me feel like I got a promotion over operations manager. Operations manager? I think... That's technically more formal. It's more formal, but it also doesn't imply that I teach classes at all. And that always kind of hurts my feelings when people are like, oh, you teach too? I'm like, yeah, what the hell heck do you think I do? <laughs> do you take more pride in being a lecturer or being the operations manager? Well, I don't know. I take a lot of pride in my teaching, but everyone kind of knows me for doing the newspaper. Yeah. So everybody knows you. Yeah. I, for different reasons. It seems like every time we walk anywhere, <laughs> there's like a hundred people. Like, hey, Hayden, what's up? Man? You know, I had this conversation with my wife yesterday because I texted her at like 2.30 and I was like, hey, I'm coming home right now. Do you want me to stop <laughs> and get a drink or something? And then at three, she texts me back and she's like, where are you? And I was like, I got stopped by Debbie and this person and this person. And I was like, you know, I like being that guy that everyone knows. <laughs> like, I, I like how it pats my ego, makes me feel good. I'll admit it. But there's some days where I'm just like, I just want to walk to my car and don't talk to me. Because then I got in trouble for taking too long. And she calls me, no, I don't even want you to stop at Maverick now. I don't want that Coke Zero. I can just imagine you walking through the hallways of your high school as a big basketball star. Just like. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. That's why you're, you are who you are now. Because <laughs> no. starring for the JV team, you couldn't get between classes. Maybe. Maybe that happened. <laughs> going and hanging out in the the freshman hallway when i'm a junior to look cool you know yeah i'm a hooper <laughs> yeah <laughs> hadn't hit my growth spurt yet, i played though, aau so. against kevin love one time <laughs> he hit me in the face well i guess it was an elbow to the face inadvertent but still a cool story so i mean have you watched that part of your face since kevin love elbowed you <laughs> for people that don't know hayden grew up in oregon in a real basketball hotspot. Mm-hmm. Well. Not really a basketball hotspot, but we happen to have, like, the last 20 years of Oregon high school basketball. Like, all the good dudes came up within, <laughs> like, a four- or five-year period. And I had the unfortunate experience of being around at that same time. So, yeah, I played against Kevin Love, Kyle Singler, Final Four, M- four MVP at Duke <laughs> University. Kyle Singler is your hero, I can already tell. Is he yeah. still in the league, or is he uh no. He's he's Find back out. in Spain. <laughs> he chose to leave. Come on, people <laughs> he, love him. He, in the it. he got a better offer over in, yeah. in Spain. Yeah, I mean it's not hard to get a better offer than a ten day in the NBA. So <laughs> imagine being a three and D guy in Europe. <laughs> there's no way Singler's handling the ball. Europe, Europe, like it invented the three and D, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you'd hope you'd be like Miritich, the center point of your offense. But I'm sure Singler's just a uh, Space on the floor. For CB Brand Possibly. Canaria? They don't got anyone else. <laughs> I think they have that dude from, from uh, he's like from Pocatello. He played at Utah State, that random like 6'10 shooter, Spencer something. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know, but he's been around for like 30 <laughs> years. And I think he's still there. He's just dominating the European that's, leagues. That's who, yeah, the Spanish second league. That's who, who Singler's competing with time with now. That being said, hell of a basketball player when he was 17. <laughs> He destroyed yeah. Kevin Love whenever they played. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, 
So let's talk just a little bit about SU store SU Sports five minutes into this SU Sports <laughs> podcast. Uh <laughs> so football actually played decently well against South Dakota State, but special teams struggles kind of undid them. Any thoughts on the game? You know, I feel like early in the season I think a lot of it can be justified, especially based on what happened last year. People are kinda of harping on the defense. Yeah. Um, they need to do this or that better. Are they doing this? But I mean, I saw the same thing at South Dakota State, which I saw at UNLV, which are definitely going to be our two hardest games we play this year. Yeah. Um, the defense comes out and gets three or four stops in the beginning of the game, but when our offense is on the field and it's constantly three and out, three and out, three and out, those guys get gassed. I mean, we're talented on D, but we're not deep at yeah. all. And so, you know, they start giving up points, and I think a lot of that is on the offense, not being able to stay on the field long enough. Yeah, it's so easy to kind of get caught up in um, the grand or just the moment right now and, like, why is SU football not doing as well as they were even two years ago? But when you look at the transition of all those talented players that played in the NFL during that Big Sky era, that Big Sky Conference Championship area, I mean, winning in college sports is so difficult anyway, and then you lose, you know, four or five core players that made you the team you were. Like, yeah. Who really expects... Whether they're starting in the NFL right now or not, the fact that they got there is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, for a school our size. So, um, it's, I mean, a, a normal FBS program that loses that many guys over the course of three years to the NFL is going to have a hard time replacing yeah. them. And that problem is just multiplied at the FCS level. Yeah, and if SU has... The encouraging thing is that they have the infrastructure. They have a an athletic director that's passionate, Debbie Quorum, mm-hmm. cares a lot about SCU sports. Um, coach Warren, very one of the most highly touted young coaches in football now, even with the last couple seasons of results, you can tell that he is passionate about the program. You're bringing in new faces like Brendan Fisher. And I mean, it's going to take, there's going to be years where you don't win and there's going to be years where you improve a little bit. And that's hopefully what we're looking mm-hmm. for this year. Absolutely. It's not, any expectations they go from one win to ten wins? Well, right? not only do we have a really young roster, we have a really young coaching staff. Yeah. And they face similar issues that young players do. So, um, I don't know. I'm an uh, SU optimist. I, I think we'll be fine. You know, we've had a really hard start of the year in terms of schedule. Um, but if we can stay healthy, there's no reason why we shouldn't compete or win at least, at the very least, our home games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at just there's so many football teams like yeah. not all of them can win every year man there's right. 120 teams in FCS and there's 120 plus in FBS how many good prospects can there be and how many of those can we find well, and commit here what so many people don't see is like it is always a three four year process building towards yeah. a championship season it's even more than that here in Utah because you have core players leaving for two years after they signed their NLI so we're really talking about a long-term process. We're looking at four to six years instead of three to four. So, I mean, there's always guys coming back and leaving and everything, but um, I don't know. The, the, the coaching staff is there. Um, there's, there's been some people questioning certain uh, aspects of the game like play calling and things like that but these are all guys that have won on multiple levels and have experience at high levels so um 
I don't know. I think we'll rebound. Yeah, I, and homecoming this weekend is the perfect chance to kind of make that statement victory because the Stephen F. Austin win was definitely a good win. It just wasn't very convincing. Yeah. I mean, it feels like SU really did their best to give that game away. Now they're settling in. This is not the first game in front of the home crowd. Like, just relax, play your best football, and we should. I mean, I don't know what um, Cal Poly is really, like, looking like this season, but it's this is the kind of game that SU, if they start well, they perform, and don't make those stupid mistakes on, on special teams and get a lot of penalties, they'll stay in this game. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, two things with that. Number one, for people that really follow SU sports, you know, people like you and I, all the coaches and everything, they watch every game. They want to win every game. We're passionate about the team every single week. Yeah, we're going to – the hope, the standard, the expectation is conference championships. Yeah. Now, for the casual fan at SUU and in Cedar City – if we can just win home games, people are going to be happy. I would say three out of four people that walk into that stadium have to grab a program to know what yeah, the score of the game was last week. So um, really competing and winning those home games is kind of that first, that next step in terms of the rebuilding process. Um, and number two, with, with you mentioned Cal Poly. They're one of those teams that's really interesting and hard to scheme for because they run a true yeah. option like they're similar to army where they can go a whole game with only two passes and still somehow win so which uh, is why starting well will be key because yeah. if you get behind and they just sap the clock away yeah impossible to recover yeah. from um so the cal poly is always that school that can go out and beat eastern washington then turn around and lose to northern colorado you know like yeah they can beat the best of the big sky then lose to the worst of the big sky so every single one of their games are exciting to watch if nothing else yeah and they're coming off two pretty tough contests they lost to weber in week two and then they were just in corvallis mm-hmm. got dredged up pretty bad by oregon state so hopefully kind of bruised and battered coming into this one a lot of travel for yeah probably go to weber to oregon now back to cedar city so well, they had a, they looked pretty impressive in their opening uh, season win against San Diego. Yeah, uh, University of San Diego is definitely not a scrub program. Yeah. this is a team that has. I mean, what they won a national championship ten years ago under Jim Harbaugh when he was their coach. Yeah, um, and they're constantly in the FCS playoff conversation. So it will. It was a good win for them and. But like you said, they they caught San Diego sleep or yeah they caught San Diego sleeping quite a bit in the beginning of the the game because San Diego was so focused on the run and their fullbacks their H backs that their freshman quarterback just kind of threw over the top of their heads two or three times for eighty nine yards you know so we're there we're really a key for us is gonna be keeping our cornerbacks alive looking at them at practice. It looks like we're going three safeties, one corner. Yeah. So that will be really interesting to see how that works out for us. Yeah, the secondary is pretty versatile, but hasn't had the results. I mean, got their first interception mm-hmm. last week. So things are looking up. And it's hard to really talk about this football team because the same issues that we've been talking about since the beginning of 2018 are still the same right. problems they have. And so it's like, how much are we going to talk about whether Chris Helbig can make an impact on the game? How much are we going to talk about whether the defense are going to step up? So we'll just see this weekend. I'm sure they've been working through things and figuring things out. We'll, we'll see how they do. Speaking of 
teams in the process of rebuilding. SU Volleyball has a couple of games this weekend, tonight. Well, it'll be last night by the time this post, most likely. Take on Idaho State, and then Saturday they take on Weber State. Had a really good start to their season, um, losing some crucial players to injuries, and we'll see how they continue to respond um, to some adversity that that they've gone through with injuries. Losing your setter just is so difficult because it's like losing your quarterback. You'd right. Having to adjust to the timing of a new setter has been difficult, but, I mean, a 7-5 and five start looking into conference play, it's the best they've looked since even the last 10 years. Yeah, the, the m- best I have seen them play came in that 2014-2015 season. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was the 20. 20- 15-2016 season. I can't remember, but uh, it was under first-year head coach Craig Choate. Um, it seems like when a new coach comes in that the players, you know, they're learning that new system. They play with a lot of excitement, a lot of pizzazz. This is the second year for the coaches, the coaching staff here at SUU, the Hoyers. So uh, I think that they'll continue to be competitive if nothing else throughout the year yeah i mean they grabbed a sweep against gonzaga in reno last weekend Mm -hmm. that's a pretty impressive win um still some inconsistency in the offensive attack just setting and things but uh, if they can make the conference tournament they'll be the best team since that 2015 team you mentioned yeah we the highest win total over the last four years i think is 15 so 2016 we won four 2017 seven and then last year six so already matching our best win total in the last three years. Yeah, I think something that that lends itself very well for this team moving forward is they've battled a lot of adversity already. Yeah. And so as they encounter more injuries and whatnot throughout the year, they're well-equipped to deal with them. And a real difference in this team, too, compared to last year's team, is that Shannon Webb is a point-getter no matter Mm -hmm. the situation. Like, I wrote about her this week. Her ability to move the ball and hit off of blockers and things and score in non-traditional ways is pretty much unmatched, especially at this level of play. The Big Sky has a lot of good volleyball teams, but oh yeah, I mean Arizona, Northern Arizona is a arguably a top twenty-five program every year. So yeah, but this this kind of ability not only to swing but to score points on tips and things is pretty impressive from Shannon Webb. So best of luck to the volleyball team, NSU soccer. Um, they begin conference play in Flagstaff this weekend mm-hmm. against Northern Arizona. They picked up their first goal of the season, but still struggling to create chances. It's just the midfield is so congested for SU, it's hard to get forward. But um, we'll move past SU sports for now. We'll move to some questions and answers for our guest, Hayden Coombs, here. Oh, boy. So you were a writer for Bleacher Report. Yes, that's how I got my start in the, the industry. Well, I guess I got my start technically working for local regional newspapers but yeah. that's where I made my biggest mark I guess where I spent most of my time so you graduated from college you're working in that um I actually started working with them before I graduated it took me geez I enrolled in college in 2006 and I didn't graduate until 2014 because I started working full-time before I even got my degree yeah um Tell me about just your favorite experiences. You covered the draft mostly, right? So Yeah, most of my, my uh, career spent covering the NBA draft. Um, I mean, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Got to meet a lot of cool people. Um, one of my favorite things, like explaining, I teach my sports writing class, and explaining to my class is like, 
you know, you see these guys on ESPN or Fox Sports, and it seems like such like this glamorous lifestyle. Yeah. When, like, yeah, for those like personalities on TVs, I'm sure it is in a lot of senses. But for a lot of the people producing the content, like I tell everyone, I spent the majority of my time in a McDonald's or Starbucks parking lot using their free Wi-Fi to <laughs> write stories and send them to editors and everything. Like it's it was fun. Um, I miss it a lot of days. A lot of days I don't because there's nothing worse than living out of a suitcase. But no, it was a lot of fun. Some of my favorite experiences, though, are just attending conferences, getting to meet people. Um, attending the draft itself was super exciting. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, um, were there any hits and misses you had? I know you had Draymond Green as a big prospect, right? Oh, I, yeah. Well, and he's one that I don't like to talk about because I feel like he's turned into such a tool. <laughs> but he was, I was very pro Draymond Green. I was proud of that. Um, let's see. When the Chicago Bulls drafted Jimmy Butler instead of Kyle Singler, who I always already mentioned, I I think I he threw my phone. I think I threw my phone against the wall. I was pretty upset about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's always your hits and misses. Um, one of my favorites is looking back on the Greek Freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Like he was someone that he emerged really late in the draft process. Most of these guys that are coming from Europe, like you know about them for years, yeah. right? Like we have known for the past four years leading up to the 2018 draft that Luka Doncic was going to be really, really good basketball player. Yeah. And it's in those, you know, that last year where they really rise and fall. But this dude, like he came out of nowhere and most of the hype around him was the fact that he was playing point guard, but he was playing in like the Greek C league and, yeah, and he's he was 6'10". We were excited about that. But all the video footage we had of him was, like, super grainy, shot with, like, a flip phone. Yeah. You know, like, so everyone was telling him, no, you, you haven't had enough experience yet. Go back. Wait a year. You'll be able to be drafted higher, which he probably would have been. Yeah. But he went for it anyways. And I don't know. The, the, the thing about him, too, was, you know, you see some players come out. And, like, I remember when Reggie Bullock was a hot prospect a big concern with him was that he was immature. Well, the reason people said he was immature is because he would get on social media and say and do dumb things, right? <laughs> well, the concern with Giannis was similar, that he was immature, but not like immature that way. It was that this is just a young, sweet, naive kid. Yeah. Right? Just and, begging to be taken advantage of by an agent. <laughs> right. And I mean, it's absolutely true. He is like a really just genuinely good guy, but... I mean, he's he's surrounded himself with family and, and good people over here, and he's obviously been a huge success. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, question number two. You can send these questions to the Thundercast email, which is sports at suunews.net. <laughs> uh, got a really busy bunch of questions this week. Question number two. You're so full of it. Where do babies come from? Um, I'm going to tell you the same thing I tell my daughter is ask your mom. <laughs> I mean, you have three children. Have you had this conversation with them yet? Oh, we made the deal before we even had kids that she handles everything with girls. I handle things with boys, so I don't have to worry about this because <laughs> my son just turned a year, so I I haven't even had to really think about it yet. Just ask your mom. She'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, moving on. Number three, this is a question for me. 
Um, why is the podcast named after the Thundercats? Uh, this is actually a misconception. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with the, the name Thundercats last year, um, which is strikingly similar to Thundercats. In fact, every time I write down Thundercast to do show notes or whatever, it always autocorrects to Thundercats. Um, do you have any favorite Thundercats you want to shout out here? Yeah, um, Panthor. He's <laughs> super cool. He was just jacked, you know? He's the big old giant tough one. Um, like if they were make a Thundercats movie, which I think they talked about for a while, Panthor would be like played by The Rock. You know? Oh, absolutely. It just, he was super cool. Just no personality, all muscles. Yeah. Oh man, so good. Um, Chitara, she was smoking. Like, <laughs> you know, one of those, those cartoon characters. It's like, listen, this show is for eight, nine-year-olds, you don't got to be drawing them so realistically. <laughs> like, now I feel weird about, you know, having feelings for a cat. It's like all these shows have, like, the same five characters just, <laughs> like, installed in different ways. It's like, you got a hot girl, you got a big strong guy, you uh -huh. have a courageous leader guy. You got a couple who are, like, teenagers, young kids to appeal. Dorky kid. Yeah. And they're all there. The gang's all here. Uh, one time... I was on my mission to Mexico. I've told you this story, but I would love to share it with the podcast listeners. We just had this member that we like went to her house for something. And I was in Mexico, so Spanish. And uh, she like wanted to talk, like connect with us about like American things. I'm sure that happened to uh -huh. you on your mission all the time. And she was like, oh, like in America, you guys must be watching Thundercats all the time. And we were like, what? <laughs> she's like, Thundercats. But because she's from Mexico, she didn't say the H. So she's just saying, Thunderca. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, what is Thunderca? And she pulled up the picture. Sure enough, Panthor shows up. <laughs> and bada bing, bada boom. There it was. Talking the, about 80s cartoons with the 70-year-old <laughs> Mexican woman. Bringing it back to sports, same thing. When I was on my mission in Portugal, um, that was the year the Boston Celtics, big three, were able to, uh, to win. And, you know, one of the major contributors to that team was Rajon Rondo emerging as an actual good point guard, not just a facilitator, you know? Yeah. And so he was, I mean, it's the same thing everywhere. The team that's winning is the team that has all the fans, right? So suddenly everyone in Portugal who watches basketball Celtics. is a Celtics fan. And Rondo was so big, we'd always be walking along the streets. And in Portugal, the R noise, <laughs> if it starts, if a word starts with an R, it's a kind of like you're yeah. clearing your throat. And so you would be walking along the streets and they'd be like, hey, Americanos, Hondo, Hondo. <laughs> That's how everyone would say to me, Hondo. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that guy. <laughs> yeah. It took me like a solid six weeks before someone was like wearing a jersey and was like, look, Hondo. And I was like, oh, oh I thought you were saying Hondo. Maybe like, I don't, I didn't know. Little did you know, eight years from now, <laughs> Rajon Rondo would still be in the league. Still doing on. the same thing. Yeah. Still not being a very good point guard. <laughs> I remember one time Stephen A. Smith just like yelling on first take like, Rajon Rondo can get 10 assists without walking out of his house. <laughs> he needs to score the ball more. It's like, how is he getting these assists? <laughs> He's in his room just dishing out assists. Just I wonder throwing them. He like cleans the dishes and is like throwing them behind the back onto the drying <laughs> rack or something. Someone's got to be there to finish it. And that's why they didn't win any more championships. Moving on. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the thing we always talk about, which is video games. Um, tell me, this is a question 
from the emails once again, sports at suunews.net. <laughs> Definitely did not write these just moments before we started. Um, who is the most overpowered video game sports character of all time in the eyes of Hayden Coombs? In the eyes of the most overpowered, I think, well, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to age myself here, but... You already did with the Rondo thing. You go back, <laughs> even more so. Hondo. You, <laughs> you go back to Tecmo Super Bowl for the NES. Oh, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson was so unstoppable in that game. Like, you run the entire quarter out with on one play, just him zigzagging up and down <laughs> the field. Um, a couple years later on the Sega Genesis, they made uh, Mutant League Football, and which was a parody. Yeah. And they had their star player was Bones Jackson, <laughs> who was also super <laughs> dominant, just like Bo Jackson. Um, also played baseball. Yeah, yeah, and hockey. <laughs> <laughs> um, could do everything Bo Jackson could do, plus more. Um, I think Pablo Sanchez from the Backyard Sports Games comes to mind. Oh, yeah. With his little pot belly hitting yeah. home runs like it was nothing. Pablo Sanchez, definitely for football and baseball Jacinda Smith on backyard basketball yeah she was ridiculous she could she was like maxed out everything yeah wasn't she like if you got a player that was her best friend on the other team she wasn't as good anymore was there was like some yeah there's something there were like some, that. so many like gimmicks like that in backyard baseball which is why it was so great and then all of a sudden they were like hey what if Tom Brady's in it now <laughs> <laughs> how about the pros when they were kids yeah, yeah. nothing makes me more uncomfortable than thinking of what Tom Brady would have been like as a kid. Do you think Tom Brady had any idea <laughs> that he was going to become such a crazy, strange person? So I read this article in Sports Illustrated a few years back, and it was about Tom Brady and, like, his journey. Because, like, let's not forget, the kid did go to Michigan when Michigan was really, really good. Yeah. He was, still was, like, a five-star prospect and everything. So... This whole idea of Tom Brady just being like this average, good-looking Joe who got drafted late just on a whim. Mary's like, supermodel. Whoa. Yeah, it's it's a little like okay. I get he was drafted late and he's turned into arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. It's just a reflection on how bad scouts were. <laughs> yeah, but like the so at the time Michigan, they when Tom Brady got recruited, they had Brian Greasy was their quarterback, and they got Tom Brady and. This kid, a Baseball few kid, years right? later, Drew Henson, yeah. who was one of those once-in-a-generation athletes who's, like, a top 25 basketball recruit, drafted, like, number one overall in the MLB draft, and he's the top quarterback recruit in the nation, right? And he could do no wrong. And the whole article, which was right up my alley in terms of, like, my research and everything, was Tom Brady's Batman, <laughs> Drew Henson was Superman. Mm. And how, like... Drew Henson could do everything so well. He'd go and play for the Rangers or the Mets, whoever drafted him. Then he'd come back and play at Michigan. And no matter how good Tom Brady did, everyone was most excited yeah. to see Superman. Obviously. You know? And the whole, like, thesis of the article is like, but what's the difference? Superman has all the powers and everything in the world. At the end of the day, Batman, even though he's just an average dude, he knows he can kick Superman's ass. Just a little kryptonite. All that you need. was straight from the article. <laughs> like he knows he's gonna win, even though there's no reason he should. And that was like him at Michigan. It was just, it was really interesting. So yeah, I think he knew. I think Tom knew. We didn't know, but he knew. He was like, someday I'm gonna start injecting weird things into my body, 
I'm going <laughs> to relearn how to run in my 40s and somehow run a faster 40-yard dash than I did at the NFL Combine. Hey, some people are faster when they're That 40. man's not a doctor. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a deep cut sports star for you. Sports video game overpowered character. Paige Stoyakovic in NBA Ballers. Okay. Because NBA Ballers was like all about dunking and doing skill moves. But yeah. the real way to win was just to shoot three pointers, just yeah. like in the real NBA. That corner who three. That All corner you do, three. you do one move to get open, shoot a three pointer with Pejas Stojakovic. But he's six ten in the game. Yeah, so no he one's has blocking his shot. No one's blocking him, and he's blocking everything. Well, maybe not totally unjustified as him being so overpowered, because there was that one year he should have been the MVP. Like he was, he was gypped. But the, and the argument against him was like. He's European. All he does is shoot threes. He's he's European. He doesn't play basketball. <laughs> which nowadays that's all anyone wants to do. You yeah. know, it's all you need to do. Paige Stoyakovich, absolutely five years before his time. Yeah, maybe ten years. If he if Paige Stoyakovich was a prospect right now, he'd be a top five pick. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't know. He he had to fight that you know against that moniker of the soft European player who can't play the way basketball is supposed to be played. Yeah. But he's absolutely one of the men who ushered in this new era of basketball. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's hard with SUU because I can't just like I can I can take LaShawn Sims and make him be the best corner in uh, in and all I of do. <laughs> in all of the NFL. But I wish we had some sports icons. Maybe like Matt Cannon is in like a European football game or something. Yeah. Fred House, maybe he was like an undrafted oh, yeah. free agent back in like NBA Live 2001. I think I found an idea. <laughs> For a future article, but that has like been like the all-time SCU team, the all-time SCU sports video game team. Ooh. Now we got to act quick on this because our very own Miles Kilbrew almost ripped a guy's <laughs> head off last week. <laughs> we'll see if he's still uh, on the all. <laughs> a special teams accident. <laughs> um, he literally almost ripped a guy's head off. Yeah, Miles Sanders. Uh, glad you're okay, buddy. Yeah. So. Got to, got to act fast on that article. But no, an, another one that comes to my mind was Shaq during Sh- Lakers Shaq, you know, from about NBA Live 2002 through like 2005. All that dude had to do was turn around and start <laughs> backing back you down from midcourt, and it was a guaranteed two points. Like, Yeah, the advent of online gaming has really fixed those, but now Patrick Mahomes just throws the ball 70 yards. Yeah. <laughs> Underhanded. <laughs> yeah, seriously, with his <laughs> left hand, doesn't matter. Just. Yeah. You talk about most overpowered characters. What about, like, those moves in video games that were yeah. super overpowered? Like, in NBA Jam, you are playing with your brother or whatever. You go up for the dunk. The both dunk. guys jump. And we called it the bread and butter. You dump it off to the corner three. Easy. Easy money. Yeah, and absolutely. You just It's called the chasse. The shoot <laughs> the pass. Chasse. <laughs> You find them wide open in the corner. Every time. You win every game like 107 to 12. Yeah. Because you just steal the ball before they get to make court. Just run bread and butter. Bread <laughs> and butter. I mean, yeah. I, in the mid-2000s NBA games, you could pro-hop your way to a basket every single time. Yeah, I remember the first time I beat my older brother in a video game, which is a monumental moment for So big siblings. in a young man's life. We were playing NBA 2K9, and I just played as the Bulls, and I had Derrick Rose. I would just pro-hop my way to everything. <laughs> I'd get open jumpers. I'd get dunks. He was so mad. Yeah. He, You're pro-hopping at the top of the key. And well, because he comes back from college like he's hot. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, what, you want to play a video game? I've been playing this game every day for like six months. <laughs> yeah. 
and I came out and I killed him with Derrick Rose. They had those ugly green uh, St. Patrick's Day uniforms in those. Yeah. You remember those? Mm-hmm. The green and red Bulls uniforms. Oh man, the first time I beat, well, my middle brother, I could always beat him. My oldest brother, first time I beat him in a game, it was NFL Blitz 2001. Ooh. And it was like, like he was hot. Like <laughs> he, it was enough that he was like, we're running it back, we're playing again. <laughs> and I was like, no, bro, I'm the new NFL Blitz king. Like, See ya. And we'd do that thing where you just like press all the buttons and see what random power ups. So when we replayed, it was shadow mode where you can only see the player's shadows. Uh-huh. So it's <laughs> so I beat him again. Oh man, it, it, he was he was mad. Well, what I discovered was that well, I thought that my siblings were just punching in the random codes. Turns out they had all memorized infinite <laughs> boost. <laughs> I just kept playing on tournament mode. Well, they were playing on Infinite Boost. And, and you still took it to them. I wonder why they kept beating me. They had Infinite Turbo. But anyway, all right. Well, that has been the Thundercast. Thank you, Hayden, so much for joining me. Can't wait for the next time. On uh, this beautiful edition of Thundercats. <laughs> See if I got enough time to make it to my department meeting still. I don't know what you, they need you to be there for. You got important Thundercats <laughs> stuff to do here. So, Thunder, 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 <laughs> Thundercast. Oh! Stockton just ended right there. <laughs>